Welcome to the meeting of the San Francisco Public Library Commission for December 14th, 2023. The time is 4.30. I'm Margot Schaub and I serve as a Library Commission Affairs Analyst. This meeting is being held in person in the main library Cret Auditorium and members of the public can observe the meeting using the Zoom system by following the link in the library's event calendar or by calling 1-877-853-5247 and entering the meeting webinar number 842-1811-6974. Members of the public who are attending the meeting in person may provide public comment for up to three minutes for each item on the agenda. If we experience any technical issues with, with Zoom, we will recess and try to address the issue. Please try logging back into Zoom if there are technical problems. Library commissioners in attendance are President Connie Wolf, Vice President Pete Wong, Commissioners Ono, Mall, and Lopez. Thank you very much and welcome to the December 14th, 2023 meeting of the San Francisco Library Commission, our final meeting of 2023. Whoa, time flies. Um, we're delighted to see people here in Corret Auditorium today and we're very pleased to welcome our virtual audience. Um, we have a full meeting ahead and we will start with, with the Ramatush Ohlone land acknowledgement. The area now known as San Francisco is the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone peoples of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the original peoples of this land, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place. We recognize that we benefit from living, working, and learning on their traditional homeland. As uninvited guests, we affirm their sovereign rights as First Peoples and wish to pay our respects to the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community. Um, if you have not already done so, all the materials for this meeting are available on the Library Commission webpage or here in the back of Corret Auditorium. Um, we have a total of six agenda items today, and we will begin with item number one, which is general public comment. And I just want to remind um, our audiences that um, this is the opportunity to speak about any issue um, that any issue that you want to bring to our attention that has to do with the library. Um, if there are issues that are specific to an agenda item, then please feel free to speak at that moment. However, on specific agenda items, if you want to make general comment or comment about something else, we will interrupt you and ask you to stop. So this is your moment, and we encourage you to participate here if you want to make general public comment. Um, so we will now open general public comment here in Corret Auditorium. Good afternoon, Peter Warfield. Uh, can you hear me? Peter Warfield, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com and PO Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. The library has, in my view, quite a wonderful slogan, uh, basically that you're here that the library is uh, providing free and equal access 
to the joys of reading and so on and so forth for our diverse community. Unfortunately, the library does not always live up to that. The library also has a tremendous amount of excellent resources, both in its staff and in its materials. But you, you often are deficient in letting folks know what the library has, where it's located, and how to find it. At a time when there's so much that needs to be understood about the world around us and what's happening, the part of the library that I would call enlightenment, along with entertainment, but enlightenment, there's so much more the library could do even with its own resources, but certainly if it had more and or better. As an example, I walk into different libraries. There's in a number and I'm not saying it's a representative sample, but certainly there are some, and I'm not sure how many of all the locations. You walk in, you wouldn't see or know that there's any newspaper available in the library just from being there and looking around. In particular, when you go into a branch, this happens routinely. Why shouldn't you be able to see where the papers are as well as where the books are? There's sometimes no signage, it turns out the Newspapers are behind the desk. You have to know that they're there. You have to ask the staff. And they make it even harder than anything else to get from that branch because you have to show your ID. Uh, in terms of media landscape, uh, you continue to unnecessarily tout social media, which is one of the very bad influences on the public and especially kids. I've repeatedly said that Francis Haugen has talked about Facebook in front of the Senate two years ago, profits over safety, and especially for teenagers. You don't give any warnings, and you continue to tout them unnecessarily in your publicity. Thanks. Public comments open, so if somebody wants to make further public comment, please feel free. Thank you. I do have a, a handout for the uh, city librarian. Okay, so to start, uh, we have a... Uh, a newspaper article about the uh, Ocean View Library and the and the argument between Asha Safai and London London Mayor Breed regarding that location. Uh, Asha Safai is very disappointed that uh, the mayor is no longer backing up that location at uh, Ocean View uh, at uh, Ocean uh, Ocean View uh, and. Uh, and Orizaba, 100 Orizaba. Anyway, I wanted to say, so it, when I was uh, speaking with one of the uh, executive members of uh, my group of, of Metna, uh, they had this comment and they said that, you know, I can say a segment of immediate uh, community does not want the library built at the site of 100 Orizaba but would rather 
somewhere, somewhere else. And Mayor uh, London Breed makes the budget, uh, states the budget is unavailable for the library at this time. Uh, the, uh, this particular executive member went on to say, the site of 100 Orizaba is not safe due to the high volume of traffic at Brotherhood Way. Continues, so this is, these are quotes, Orizaba is too narrow a street. Uh, continuing the quote, it will remove part of the Brotherhood Way greenbelt. And, uh, and then I add, added, added, providing an opportunity for further encroachment of the greenbelt in the future. So I wanted to say, it is not a coincidence David Long originally provided Brotherhood Way with a plan which included housing on the Greenbelt. When I was dis uh, discussing the, uh, the uh, project with residents of uh, Orizaba, they mentioned to me previously there was uh, a city employee that came by and asked them if they thought it would be okay to have housing on the uh, Brotherhood Way Greenbelt. So the city has been looking at this uh, for some time. And in my opinion, uh, you know, with the beginning of the Greenbelt uh, uh, and the library uh, being built there, it would be the beginning of the end of the Greenbelt as more and more housing would develop in that spot. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Thank you. I, I hate being upstaged, and I think I just was. Many of the things uh, Mr. Rogers just said were things I have said. I don't know if you recall me. My name is George Wooding, uh, former president of the West of Twin Peaks Central Council, former president of the Coalition for San Francisco Neighborhoods, co-founder of the San Francisco Land Use Coalition. Uh, a lot of planning, a lot of land use background. I've been against the Orizaba project from day one for many of the reasons that were just stated. And I also believe that, uh, um, you know, it's just a very dangerous site from a public safety perspective. So what to do? What's the answer? Definitely District 11 needs another library. And this is one of those um, hard questions everybody has to ask themselves. And through research and talking to people, I have heard that the Pilgrim Church uh, I don't have the exact address, is going to quickly become available. It has a large footprint. It has no parking, but it, it will have some open space. And it will be a great place to put a new library in. There's several miles from any other uh, library in District 11, and it would not have the same um, danger that uh, Orizaba presents to the public. So given that, that's my first thought. 
I think it needs to be studied and looked at. I don't think this is a political issue between two mayoral candidates. I think it's more important. I think it's more about children reading books, learning, um, you know, for the welfare of children. It's not about who's going to become the next mayor. And I hate to see this project degrade to that point. So that being said, I was kind of sorry to see the article actually in the paper this morning. So um, thank you for listening, and I hope you have a great holiday. Take care. Hello, my name is Carrie Mlanding. I'm the interim executive director at the Friends and Foundation of the San Francisco Public Library. I wanted to just share a quick check-in and update about some of the exciting things happening with Friends right now. Um, most recently, we were able to attend the 40th anniversary celebration for Project Read, which you all know what an amazing program that is for adult literacy. Um, Friends is proud to have been a part of the founding of that program in the early 80s. Um, we're also proud to play a role in its continuation since we helped to provide some funding for that. And at the event last weekend, we were able to um, officially accept and acknowledge a large bequest from one of your amazing volunteers. Um, we're so grateful for that and, and honored to be a part of that program. Um, as you know, I'm the interim executive director, and I wanted to just give you all a little notice that very soon we will be launching our search for the long-term executive director. Um, it's not quite out yet, but we are really um, looking forward to finding some amazing new long-term leadership. I'm a transition specialist, so it's never intended that I stay for the long term. I'm just here to help everybody have a great transition. Um, and uh, lastly, I just wanted to say that in this holiday season, I want to remind you all that Friends operates the bookstore upstairs. And uh, if you're looking for a great holiday gift, swing on by. See Brian, who works there. He's amazing. He'll help you pick out an awesome gift for your friends and family. Happy holidays. Any further public comment? Seeing there's no further public comment, um, I just want to thank everybody for their participation and their comments. And public comment is now closed. We will now move to item number two, which is um, the um, discussion and possible action to approve the November commission meeting minutes. Um, we will open it up for public comment here in Correct before commission discussion and possible action on this item. Public comment on item number two about the November Commission meeting minutes is now open. Peter Warfield, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com and P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. 
I give the post office box and the email address. The post office box actually has a lot greater privacy. So if anybody wants to get in touch with us uh, in a way that's less uh, hackable and uh, available to others that they didn't intend, the post office is quite a good way to do that. And I would appreciate if the library would put that in with what my comments are every time I say it, but nowadays doesn't even do so once. The minutes, once again, are very deficient and continue systematically to exclude my comment about the toxicity of social media and the library's unnecessary and without any warning touting of social media in a variety of publicity, including pretty much most of the print publicity that you have out and about in branches and at the main, along with at the library. Francis Haugen, just a little more than two years ago, when I first started mentioning this, testified at the Senate that from her position as a high level uh, uh, person in Facebook, she was clear that Facebook, to put it diplomatically, prioritized profits over safety. And what she meant by that was safety of the users of Facebook. And I think that that has been consistently left out from my, I don't think it has been typically left out from my comments over and over and over again. It's not just personal opinion. The Surgeon General of the United States has talked about the dangers of Facebook and other social media in harming kids. And he's talked about other harms in general of addictions to internet and other, uh, other things on internet in particular, again, social media. And you're constantly touting Facebook, Twitter now, X, you've updated the, at the library for that. Uh, and the other, the other ones that you either specifically say get social on at the monthly or um, in any case, that's continually left out. My contact information is left out and the minutes are a very poor reflection of what I have said and seem to attempt consistently to drain meaning out of what it is that I said and leave things out that are important for what I said. Thank you. Any further public comment here in Corette Auditorium? Seeing there's no further public comment, um, public comment on item number two is now concluded. Um, we would, would somebody, uh, one of the fellow commissioners like to make a motion to approve the minutes of the November commission meeting? I move. Um, we have a, um, a motion from Commissioner Mall, a second? I'll second. I think. Oh. Go ahead. Uh, Commissioner Lopez second. So we have a motion from Commissioner Mall and a second from Commissioner Lopez to approve the um, November commission meeting minutes. And I'll take the roll call. Commissioners, please say aye or no when I call your name. President Wolf? Aye. Vice President Wong? Aye. Commissioner Ono? Aye. Commissioner Mall? Aye. Commissioner Lopez? Aye. Um, the motion passes unanimously. So we will now move on to item number three. Um, today we continue our discussion and launch into it a deep dive into the fiscal 25-26 um, budget and um, we look forward to hearing more about it and I turn the meeting over to our city librarian Michael Lambert. 
Thank you, President Wolf, and good evening, commissioners. Every year around the holidays, we kick off our budget discussion and process, and this year is no different. And this evening, our COO, Maureen Singleton, is going to present this presentation. Maureen. Thank you, Michael. Um, so our CFO, Mike Fernandez, is not able to be here tonight, so you're stuck with me presenting the budget, but some of you are used to me presenting since I used to be CFO. He's very sorry he can't be here, but promises he will be here talking all sorts of budget stuff come January and February for you. So what I'm gonna do tonight is provide just some general background for you on the budget, as well as a preliminary uh, introduction of the likely investments that we will do in the upcoming budget cycle. So I'm gonna start off with some general budget background for folks. As you know, the library and many of the city departments each budget year creates a rolling two-year budget. That means each year we create a budget that consists of two fiscal years. For this cycle, we are covering fiscal year 25 and 26. The last cycle, we covered 24 and 25. So by rolling, what that means is we always revisit that second year in the subsequent budget cycle. This year, because of the changing economic conditions, the mayor's office did indicate to the general fund departments that they needed to make mid-year general fund reductions and the overarching discussion from the mayor's office to all departments was to really limit your discretionary spending. So focus in on the core services that you need to provide, continue to make sure you're meeting the needs of the community, but where you can contain costs, you should be doing that. Earlier today, the city's CFOs and uh, COOs and other folks as such met with the mayor's budget office and the controller's office to talk about the budget outlook for the upcoming cycle that covers the next two fiscal years. What we learned there is uh, what are the budget numbers looking like, whether it's a growth or a deficit, and what are the mayor's priorities for that upcoming budget cycle. Today, what we heard was that the mayor's priorities for the upcoming cycle include improving public safety and street conditions, investing in citywide economic vitality, reducing homelessness and transforming mental health service deliveries, and accountability and equity in the services that we provide to our public and the spending that we do. In addition to that item, we also heard about, which is of no surprise, that they are projecting deficits for the next several fiscal years. Right now, what, what we've been told is that the projected deficit for fiscal 25, or year one of the upcoming cycle, is approximately $245 million. In 26, that deficit is 554, so nearly 800 million over the next two fiscal years. And by 2028, it would be $1.35 billion. Now that's assuming expenditures don't get reduced and revenues don't change, but so there's a lot of work that happens between the budget phase where the departments are building their budget and the mayor's phase before it gets to the Board of Supervisors in the spring. 
So knowing that those deficits are being projected, the mayor's office said to the general fund departments that they need to submit for each of the fiscal years a 10% reduction of their general fund dollars. And then for each of those fiscal years, in addition, they need to have a contingency list of another 5% for, uh, for the mayor to consider should those 10% reductions not help bridge that gap and other changes that they would like to see around revenue. For departments like the library, which is a self-supporting department through our library preservation fund, we are told that we need to uh, live within our available means. So for us, that means the library preservation fund, our fund balance, and some other miscellaneous sources. Um, and just, I wanna make sure you know that we're gonna put all of this in writing in the January presentation, but I wanted to give you a quick preview of what we learned today so you have a sense of what's on the horizon. So, and uh, as Michael mentioned, there are certain things that we do every December, but in coming at this point in December, there are always unknowns, uh, one of which are the revenue projections we should be getting specific updates about the Library Preservation Fund uh, later this month, so we'll have new information for you come January. And then um, as we work with our fellow departments, we'll figure out what, the, the, what it'll cost for the services that they provide. So when other departments work for us, it costs us money, it's not free. So when we have the painters come over from the Department of Public Works, we pay them for their time. So we'll be working with them uh, over the next month or so to refine those numbers and you'll still con continue to see those changes over the course of the whole budget cycle and that's, that's traditionally what happens. So um, the next thing I wanted to share with you is our standard budget calendar. This is the calendar we share with you each budget cycle. It's broken out into three key phases, development, negotiations, and finalization. So obviously we are in the middle of the development phase and currently within that with, at the department development phase. Um, and throughout this whole process, we'll be working on uh, the negotiations with the city, other city departments. We'll be hearing your input starting today about what kind of investment priorities you see in addition to what we're presenting at this juncture. And then as always, we typically have to turn in our budget in February. So we will present and ask for your approval for the budget in February so that we hit the controller deadline of, of February 21st or the next business day should that fall on a weekend. So before we can look forward, we have to look back. So each December, we like to give you a quick snapshot of what was in um, what was previously year two of the budget, but is now year one. So what you see here are two tables broken out for the fiscal year 25 budget. And this is what's known as the base budget. It's what was approved in the prior cycle, and it is where we start our budget building for fiscal 25 this cycle. You see it broken out by division and by use category. On the division side, it's no surprise that our largest division is the branches. They have 27 locations and a whole lot of people that help make us 
provide or help us provide our fabulous resources for our community. For as far as the other divisions, which one has the next highest budget can flex from uh, flex from year to year because it depends on what we're investing in what. But so oftentimes it's the collections and technical services because of the large size of our collection budget. On the uses side, uh, the largest component is our labor. It's about 63 to 66%, depending upon a fiscal year. And again, because it takes a lot of people to operate 1,462 hours per week. So that includes labor and fringe benefits. And then again, depending upon the fiscal year, the, the next largest percent could be materials and supplies, which includes our collection budget or capital. So it just depends on the fiscal year. Just a quick snapshot for you too is some of the key investments that we did for fiscal 25 last cycle included a sizable investment in a state of good repair for our facilities that they're aging and we wanna keep them in good shape. So last cycle you approved in fiscal 25, for example, $1.7 million in that category. So moving on to how we build our budget, the strategic budget priorities and our mission serve as a guidepost. It, it allows us to assess what is our base budget, what, have, what do we want to continue doing, and then thinking about how do we want to evolve and enhance our budget. This will be the last year you see these strategic and budget priorities. As we all know, we are on the cusp of a brand new strategic plan. Uh, but that, that uh, schedule didn't quite align with the budget. So this is the last time that you're, you're gonna see these categories. So just as a quick recap, that's Partnerships for Excellence, Literacy and Learning, Youth Engagement, Organizational Excellence, Digital Strategies, and Facilities Maintenance and Infrastructure. Uh, before we dig into the preliminary investments, I wanted to give you a quick snapshot of the revenue outlet that the uh, uh, outlook rather that the controller's office gave us in October. Again, as I've already stated, we're expecting revised numbers this month, so we will have that information updated for you next month. You can see quickly here that the projected revenue for fiscal year 25, the first year of this upcoming cycle for the Library Preservation Fund is $186 million and projected to be 191 by fiscal 26. Again, those numbers, I think you should just brace yourself that they're gonna change. Um, and all of this information, in addition to knowing what the priorities are, will impact the final budget that we present to you. This next slide is a preliminary investment uh, snapshot for you. Uh, one thing I forgot to call out earlier about the mayor's budget instructions this morning was that uh, she had indicated that we should not add positions to our budget. So um, oftentimes you'll hear technical jargon of FTE, that stands for full-time equivalent. Basically we're talking about positions in our budget. So um, 
I want to tell you that what you see here as a potential investment for labor is going to have to be stripped out of the budget for this cycle. It is something that we're going to reconsider. Um, and I'm not going to talk too much detail about it, but I will tell you just a tad bit about it. And that is for Chinatown, we, we do have time to consider how to add security because we would like to have that in place when the renovation is done. So we have time to figure out how to add that capacity. So um, I don't want you to fret too much about that and we will keep, we will keep working on that. Um, we will also keep thinking about the best way to centralize project management. I'm not giving up on it um, and we will be creative. So with that, I'm gonna move into what we would call the non-labor budget proposals. And before I get into uh, an overview of what these are, I kind of want to just start by walking you through how to read the table. So the table is grouped right now by our strategic priorities as they exist currently, a general descriptive statement about the proposal itself, whether or not that expenditure is one time or ongoing in nature, the likely proposed investment amount for the first year of the budget, the second year of the budget, and that combined total. So bottom lining it, right now, the way the non-labor proposals total is you're looking at about 2.3 million in fiscal year 25, 5.9 million in fiscal 26, and because some of those 25 investments are ongoing, the grand total of the two-year period is about $9 million. So I'm gonna provide just a quick look at a few of these investments, but I'm always available after public comment for a few more questions if you wanna dig into them a little bit more. For digital strategies, you see an investment of $300,000 starting in 25 and continuing forward to enhance our e-collections at the jails. It's been a successful service and we wanna make sure that we continue to provide that access point for those members of our community. The next big investment that you see on the material level is in facilities, maintenance, and infrastructure. So I talked a little bit earlier about the general investment of state of good repair. This investment here is specific to the branches. It's a insider baseball term of building envelopes, but by that we mean roofs and downspouts and uh, windows. So just making sure that we have the money to do the work as the facilities assessments are completed and we prioritize what needs to be done when. You also see under that category an investment in the Ocean View Branch Library Capital Project. If we, as we've stated over many commission meetings, we are committed to building a new branch library for the Ocean View community. And as such, we've been slowly setting money aside. The last budget cycle, you approved about $19.8 million. That 4.8 of that is in the base budget for 25. What you're seeing here is an additional 4.8 for 26. This is consistent with the 10-year capital plan, and we felt that that was appropriate to present to you at this juncture. Um, and then when we get into uh, literacy and learning, one of the things that you'll see investments in is really listening to the feedback we've been hearing so far from the strategic plan is that we need to enhance our outreach 
and our marketing to folks so they really know everything that we do. It was kind of clear that maybe folks were not 100% aware of all the amazing services that our staff provide. So we want to ramp up that, that effort. So you see some investments in those categories um, around digital and radio advertising and then creating a strategic marketing plan and then making sure our collections are, are, are I'm sorry, the library e-card online application is available in eight languages. So making sure we're addressing uh, accessibility as much as possible. And then you see a small investment in honoring our Native Americans through art, but we thought that that was important for you to know that that is a worthwhile investment, even though dollar-wise it may not seem like a large dollar figure. So uh, in summary, again, $9 million of investments on the non-labor side. When we come back in January, these tables will expand a little bit so you can see what is any, if there's any baseline investment in a category as well, and then how things have compare and change over time. So I just want you to know that this, uh, these kind of, this, these tables will change and you will get a little bit more information in January. So to sum up, um, again, some of these things I've already discussed. We got the mayor's budget instructions. In summary, we need to stay within our available resources. We can't grow uh, our position budget. And uh, we need to focus in on both our internal priorities as well as the mayor's priorities. So you will see a refinement in what we're presenting to you as budget proposals in January. Um, and by February, again, as I've already discussed, we will be seeking your approval. So, um, and with that, it concludes our first look at what the possible investments can be for the upcoming budget cycle. I thank you for your time, and please let us know if you have uh, any particular feedback on the investments presented so far or anything else that you'd like to see in an upcoming presentation. So thank you. Thank you very much for that very thorough presentation. Before we open it up to commission discussion and questions, um, we will open it up to public comment here in Corret Auditorium. So this is uh, for discussion about the budget. Public comment is now open. Peter Warfield, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com, <clears throat> and PO Box 170544, San Francisco, California 94117-0544. And I hope you'll pay attention to me more than uh, you're paying to whatever you're paying attention to now. Uh, this is pretty chaotic. Most of the pages, if not all of the pages, are not in the paper agenda uh, that I've gotten, and I checked in the back of the room, it's the same thing. Pages 13, whatever you had, are completely missing. Uh, the cover says November. And yesterday, uh, around 5 o'clock, I sent the city librarian with a copy to the commission secretary, your commission affairs analyst, an email saying that it looked as though the December agenda online was showing as a November agenda. Um, 
With respect to what I have here, I see that the budget estimate from Ocean View Branch Library is up to $47 million. The last time I remember a particular number, it was 20, and even at 20, it was quite high. So I don't know what's going on here. Uh, it seems like there are two different documents altogether. Um, with respect to what I would like to see in the budget is somewhat what I've been talking about a little bit earlier. I would like to see a priority on print or at least an equality of print. And that has to do with the access that people have. You are giving more and more money for uh, e-materials, making them more and more available. Uh, often the print version of something has a long waiting list. The e-version does not. Uh, and there are times when you have simply no print version at all. And based on your lack of providing any instruments to look at stuff, you don't give Kindles to look at Kindle books, you don't give earphones to listen to audiobooks, you give nothing for those who are not equipped sufficiently electronically. I'd like to see some budget for that. I'd like to see some comfortable places to sit to read. I'd like to have everybody access having, having access to all the materials and all the devices, including print. And I'd like to have all folks have access equally to your publicity, not just catering for the people who are on the mailing list and who get routine updates, and you don't even have a bulletin board where you can post what the latest stuff is that you sent to the email folks for those who come into the branch and maybe didn't check their email or not on the list or don't have access to computers. And there are many people like that. Thank you. Thank you. Any further public comment? I see we have another presenter. Uh, good afternoon. Um, I want to thank Maureen. That was a really good presentation. I work on budgets all the time. I work with the Capital Planning Committee and uh, Brian Strong with Resilience. So, um, I'm not going to say I know what I'm talking about, but what I do say is I tell them that they don't know what they're talking about. So um, what I have found the last two years with one-time funding from the federal government, which was eaten up in this last budget, currently we're at $14.6 billion. It's not nearly enough. And the city is in dire straits. The state now has $68 billion in debt. Um, the federal government, uh, everything they're spending now is money they're printing, but there's no substantive uh, money coming through from that. So what, what I'm really getting at, um, when I went to the meetings, of uh, CPC, they do not estimate correctly, I feel. In two, two years in a row, I've been correct in that they underestimate. They forecast at about 6% increase in costs. Um, it used to be just 1.2%, to give you an idea, three or four years ago. And um, because they're having so much trouble, 
they're running out of money much faster. So you're going to see your costs go up much quicker. Um, Maureen's figures are based on their estimates. But I'm saying their estimates are too low. And what I am telling you is that the costs are going to increase at a much higher rapid rate than the city expects. So we're going to be going into a much harder time. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that uh, I don't know much about the library, so, but I am very glad to hear that you have your own sources of funding, your own sources of revenue, because you're going to need them, frankly. And uh, because the costs are going to go up much higher and faster than you think, with all respect to Marine. So, so anyhow, that's, that's my thoughts. Thank you. have a proper introduction this t this time. Hello, uh, library commissioners and city librarian Michael Lambert. <laughs> so what I wanted to uh, mention to you is we have in the past asked uh, for the uh, Sunshine Task Force for emails regarding the Ocean View Library. And one of the, uh, one of the uh, discussions that was involved in it was that there is a need for the library of land to be purchased by the library from DPW that you cannot, you know, that this the statement that this is free land, you know, this is land that is city land. Y yes, it is. But you don't really want to have your library be on the property of DPW. And therefore, it's going to be necessary for the purpose of uh, the purchase of that land and uh, in order for you to have complete control over your library. So we'd just like to uh, ask you to consider that in your budget. Thank you. Hello. Hi, uh, Michael Vincent from Friends of the Library. Um, we're excited uh, to see this conversation starting with the budget. Um, so much of the work we do, advocating for public funds, advocating for the library, making sure everyone here definitely voted for the LPF, <laughs> um, is to make sure that the library staff and you all can make sure you expend these li uh, funds effectively. So we're excited to see it. You're at the experts. So we're excited to see that knowledge and expertise uh, behind the numbers uh, in the next coming months. So thank you. Any further public comment here in Corret? Seeing there's, seeing there's no further public comment, public comment is now closed on this item and we will now turn to the commission for uh, discussion and questions. I'd just like to begin by thanking you, Maureen, for um, that very thorough and informative presentation. Some of us have missed you, even though we really like Mike, and I think he's doing a fabulous job, and please um, let him know that we missed him tonight, but we appreciate the work he did and the entire staff to make this budget um, so robust. I also just wanna thank you for including 
um, the kind of overview and percentages, um, we often find ourselves focused on this little list, which I think I realized is 1.2 for 5% of the budget. So we get really narrow in there. But I had one quick question before I open it up, just for clarity. This 2.3 million of potential uh, new investments, is that included in the 1.86 million or is that in addition to? That would be in addition to. I'm gonna make sure I'm uh, understanding your question appropriately. Um, so in the table that's on the preliminary investments, it would be in addition to the baseline investment on, um, on that slide, the uses and cost center. So my question is, is that according to um, the revenue um, outlook for fiscal year 25, we have 186 million. What you're proposing is 186.46 million yeah. plus then 2.3 million. Right, um, and thank you. I, I think I rushed through that table, uh, one of those tables, a little bit too quickly. Um, if you look at the table that says uses by type, the, there is a category called reserves, and that's $11.3 million. And typically, uh, what that means is that money is available for redistribution to other purposes. And, and I'm sorry, I skipped uh, mentioning that earlier. Um, and so what that allows us to do is tap into that source first to fund these investments. And then, um, and then it's also a primary source for us uh, when we find out what are the estimated labor cost increases based on estimates from the controller's office or other costs. So uh, that is a very important part to call out that that is a primary source for us to help pay for some of these investments. And, uh, and that's typical for what we do in year two because we just don't know what's gonna happen with revenue. So we always like to leave a chunk of money set aside for future decision making. Thank you very much for that clarification so that as we discuss this, we know where the funds are coming from. Yep. Um, thank you for letting me jump in here. So sure. now I open it up to my fellow commissioners for comments and questions. Commissioner Mall. Um, thank you, Maureen. Sure. Down here, yeah. Um, could you go over again, please, the what you learned today from the mayor? I started to write notes, but um, I didn't get everything. Sure, Can no you problem. Go over those. Yeah. So um, what we heard from the mayor includes a budget deficit projected for fiscal 25 of of approximately 245 million and then 554 for year two. So we're looking at a total for the whole city. Right, I got that. that. Yeah, and so what What the directions were to departments is that um, no new positions. Yeah, I got that. Um, make sure you're prioritizing your core services and for the appropriate departments that provide those kind of services, helping her prioritize safety, street cleanliness, okay, those, all those things. That's what I wanted you to go yeah. over, because you said there were three things. Can yeah. You, can you yeah. say those again? I don't have them fully memorized, so I'm going to look at them. And, and, and again, this is why we'll put it in writing for next month. So um, it's improving public safety and street conditions. Okay, wait, that's number one? That's number one. 
Number yeah. two is citywide economic vitality. Uh, and then the next one is reducing homelessness and transforming mental health service delivery. And then the last one is accountability and equity in services and spending. Okay, and fourth, can you just say that again? Sure, okay. accountability and equity in services and spending. So she, when she was a board president, she was yeah. always uh, focused then as she is now about um, you know the best uses of public resources. So always wanting us to spend wisely and in this case, also making sure that we're keeping equity in mind as we plan our budgets and spend our money. And you didn't learn how the city is dividing up its budget in terms of these priorities? No, because all the other departments are building their budgets Right now, right now as well. So um, as they go back and figure out how are they gonna hit their targets, their reduction targets, right. uh, we're gonna enter into various conversations with them, particularly if they provide services for the library. But then after they turn in their budgets, we're gonna learn more about what other departments are doing and, and thinking through what's the residual effect uh, for the city as a whole um, about homeless services or uh, safety services through the sheriff's department or the police department, uh, what public works is going to be able to continue to do or what service reductions they might have. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Real complicated. It is. <laughs> it is. A lot of, a lot of moving, moving parts. parts. Yeah. 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 Well, I would just like to comment on two things that the public said that I agreed with. One is that, and I know nothing, but I think the, the numbers are gonna go way up. Mm -hmm. um, and the second thing is, um, I don't wanna get too granular, but I would love to see somewhere in the budget for more comfortable seating in the library also. Okay. Just saying. Thank you for the feedback. Um, thank you, Commissioner Mall. Any, um, um, Commissioner Ono. Thank you, Maureen. That was a throwback to good old days, but I'm sorry Mike wasn't here so we can harass him. Yeah. Um, but going back to both Connie and, um, I'm sorry, Commissioner Mall and Commissioner um, Wolf's questions, I know we rely on other agencies or other departments, and I, um, since the city's focusing on homelessness and mental health, depending on what the other departments come up with, do Will that impact us in the HASAs and possibly also security in some of our branches? And is that something you're gonna to have to work with in January or February? Great question. So the last budget cycle, we were able to bring those health and safety associates into our budget. So um, thankfully then we control that uh, as opposed to before when it was a work order with the Department of Homelessness and um, Supportive Housing. So um, we've filled positions recently for that, and so we can continue to provide those resources there. Uh, we also have, as you know, our um, security staff here, our library staff. We do have an arrangement with the sheriff's department here at the main library 
So that is one where we'll have to make sure they still continue to have the capacity to provide these services. I don't have any indication that that's a problem at this juncture. Um, and so I think those are kind of the key areas that address your, your question and your comment. Yeah, my only concern is if they're being cut by 10%, are they gonna try to cut us, right. our services to us by 10%? Yeah, it's, so. it's possible or they- Or could, charge us more. Or charge yeah. us more, yeah. Which I figured they're gonna do. But yeah, anyway, exactly. I shouldn't be a cynic. Um, <laughs> and going back to Michael's uh, question about our statement about the LPF, yes, I'm glad we voted for that. So thank you everyone who voted. Um, and thank you again for all of the work the entire staff is doing on the budget. Yes, thank them. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Commissioner Lopez. Um, I have some questions. You, you were saying that um, hiring mm -hmm. will not, like there's some concerns about hiring. Given that we're still in the process of hiring a lot of people and we depend on um, HR mm -hmm. to go through the process, um, those positions that were approved and were budgeted for will continue to be filled, or are we talking about not um, going through? It. Not going through because you know we know it takes a long time um, to get that. Um, so can can you elaborate a little bit on? Sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, so definitely, the the key thing is they don't want us growing our staff for the subsequent years but sure for this the certain the current year they're even saying let's make sure everything that you're filling is related to your core services um, and uh, that you're thoughtful about when when you fill them so um, it is possible that the hiring process could take a little longer because we're going to have to have more conversations with the mayor's office about filling positions. But um, I think where we have uh, really good relationships with the mayor's office is telling them generally how we stay within our available resources and the importance of the hiring that we've put before them. We've already vetted, we've already thought about what it is that we need to do in order to meet our, our commitment and obligation to the public. So um, it is possible that some hiring can take longer. I, I think it's very important for you to, to understand that. Uh, and, uh, but we will always advocate for the library and the services that we need to provide and the positions that we need to fill in order to do that. Yeah. Thank you. Good Thank question. you very much. Good question. Um, I would just like to, um, once again, thank the commissioners for their comments. Just remind all of us that um, we're gonna be revisiting the budget in January and again in February. And at each stage, we're gonna learn more about costs and what decisions. I also know that um, we'll have a chance in January and February to look at that list in greater detail and make decisions and make options. We often do that, like, like there's option. often an option A versus an option B, so <laughs> we'll look forward to that. But I, I have to say, there's no question the city is looking at some very difficult challenges ahead to provide services to its citizens and to be a ro to be kind of returning to being a robust community. But 
I also feel really strongly that we have the Library Preservation Fund and we are part of the solution, the library, and when you itemize those four points, um, we really advance every single one of those points. Public safety, um, we provide services and a place for people to be. Um, economic recovery, we really invigorate communities with what we do. Um, mental health and homelessness, we have relationships and we provide important services through social workers and other and hiring. And um, accountability and accessibility, that's also who we are. So I feel very proud that the library doesn't have to do a lot of pivoting in order to really advance the mayor's goals and advance what we need in this community um, throughout the city. So I just want to thank the library for always being a step ahead and that um, and to keep to this, I think we're going to maybe have some difficult choices um, in the months ahead. And if it's not this year, then um, in the years ahead as the city comes back to economic recovery. But I do feel like we're part of the solution. And we can never forget that we have a job to do to make the city as great as it needs to be. So thank you again. And we'll look forward to um, uh, returning to this conversation in January and again in February. Thank you. So now we turn to item number four, which is always a commission favorite, um, the city librarian's report. So um, I turn it over to our city librarian, Michael Lampert. Thank you, President Wolf. And before I introduce our presenters, I just want to say amen and plus one on what you just said. If history is any indicator, uh, people use libraries and need libraries even more during economic downturn. So I agree wholeheartedly with you that we are well poised to meet this moment. And some of the reports this evening will be a testament to that. Uh, I am pleased to introduce our first presenter. We have Fran Matthews, who is our volunteer coordinator. And she's going to be leading this presentation highlighting all the myriad ways that our community gets involved and supports our mission. Fran? Good evening. Um, it's lovely to be here. I am the volunteer coordinator for the library, uh, and I appreciate this opportunity to talk a little bit about what volunteer services does for the library and our patrons. Um, a large portion of my work is um, spent with supporting the tutoring programs that are based in the Bridge Learning and Literacy Center. Um, I recruit applicants, I field basic questions, I help schedule trainings, I receive onboarding paperwork, I schedule fingerprinting, and I help track hours for four major tutoring programs in adult and child literacy, English language development, and basic tech skills. Uh, it's important to note that there are applicants who are looking for opportunities outside what the library can offer, um, and there I do my best to provide a different kind of library service, uh, connecting those patrons with information about other places in the community where their interests and skills can be put to good use. But let's talk about what we do offer. Um, as was already mentioned, Project READ is our oldest of our volunteer-based tutoring programs. We just had a wonderful party, um, thank you friends, um, last Saturday celebrating that 40th anniversary. Um, that program is overseen by Ruben Balderas and Susan Fink, um, and we match adult learners with adult volunteers to work one-on-one -on, -one on the learner's individual reading and writing goals. 
The ESL tutoring program is currently also run by Ruben and Natalie Enright, and also offers one-on-one -on -one tutor learner pairs who meet weekly to improve a variety of English language skills. Um, we have some folks that are coming in and have extensive academic English, but don't know how to make sort of talk around the water cooler. There's some people who wanna know how to go to parent-teacher conferences and interact. Um, with that, so it's an introduction to sort of s different social opportunities to develop English, um, as well as just sort of learning basic English skills. Um, shown on the left up here is the last year's Friendsgiving potluck uh, with food and patrons from around the world that gathered to celebrate their year's learning. Uh, and shown on the right is last week's online ESL Combo Club, where we have local and international participants who log in on Zoom to meet in volunteer-led breakout rooms uh, to practice their spoken English. And FOG Readers is currently the most in-demand program, uh, and we have a volunteer who meets one-on-one -on -one with a struggling reader in first through fourth grade to work on a phonics-based curriculum. We have Ruben Balderas, William Alvides, and newcomer Carol Guzman leading that award-winning program, and we look forward to that continuing to expand and serve our elementary school readers. The tech tutors come in for a weekly drop-in program where a wide array of patrons come in for help with their smartphones, tablets, laptops, and occasionally other digital devices like camcorders. This program is staffed by Natalie Enright and Lisa Weddle, who match up pairs for the session to work on things like recovering their email passwords, setting up an account to apply for benefits, accessing a medical provider's portal to set up a doctor's appointment, using the library's free printing service, and learning to organize, saving, and attach um, computer files. We could always use some help organizing our computer files, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, so these 400 or so volunteers allow San Francisco Public Library to provide these tutoring programs for our communities. With our youth, volunteering is the program. While youth are often assisting with important tasks, our primary goal there is to help them develop workforce readiness skills. For the Summer Stride Summer Youth Volunteer Program, um, the librarians, with the help of a training that I develop, work on basic soft skills like making eye contact and greeting people as they enter the library. Other soft skills include setting a schedule, being punctual, giving notice of absences, working with teammates, and serving as a representative of an organization. And this is the first experience for many of our younger teens uh, in, do in doing these sort of skills. Youth volunteers also learn some basic hard skills uh, where they work with uh, a database to register participants in the summer reading program, um, as well as recalling and updating those records when folks come in to get their tote bags. One project I'm working on for the upcoming summer is to develop a standardized interview and application process to further assist youth in gaining familiarity with more formal systems that they will need to navigate for job searches and college applications. The summer-based program, Youth Engaged in Library Leadership, or YEL, um, started off as a joint effort between volunteer services and the Youth Development Coordinator, uh, who is currently Ileana Pulu. And Ileana has grown and evolved that program um, 
to allow older high school youth to receive a stipend while volunteering through a partnership she coordinates with YouthWorks. YouthWorks provides paid job readiness workshops, training, and places youth uh, with the library as well as other city departments too, including the Public Utilities Commission and the San Francisco International Airport. Some libraries are able to accept additional youth work placements during the school year, but a large number of our SFUSD schools require service learning hours for graduation, uh, and so many branches are at capacity providing activities for the students with their um, partnered school in the neighborhood. In addition to these, there are a lot of miscellaneous activities happening in many corners of our many libraries. Um, I can read the list, but there it is. Um, not all of these have restarted after the long lull imposed by the pandemic, uh, but I look forward to again supporting these opportunities for our patrons to engage with their library in a deeply fulfilling way. And every year, highlight of my season, I get to hold a volunteer appreciation event in April to celebrate these relationships and contributions. And I would like to invite you all to attend to hear the library's volunteers' stories from the volunteers themselves. Thank you. Thank you for your leadership, Fran. Our next presenter is none other than Ileana Pulu, our teen development coordinator, and she's got a report this evening on teen winter read. Thank you, Michael. Uh, good evening, commissioners. I am really excited to present today as part of the City Librarian's Report, a fun and enriching program that will make you want to be a teen again, maybe for two weeks, maybe just for two weeks, no. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll see, okay. Um, uh, tween Winter Read is, is a mashup of teen and tween, right? So we're looking at ages 10 to 18. It's an annual program that encourages youth in that age range to visit their local library and cozy up with a good book over winter break. Um, the challenge starts December 1st and goes through January 10th, 2024, <laughs> and is available at every single public library location in San Francisco, as well as through the Beanstack app. You see here some of our marketing material and our basic bullet points to get teens in to get them reading. It's a no barrier, simple program that includes visiting the library and receiving an activity tracker and a free book. Our collection development team has continued to impress our teens and our librarians with the book selections that are offered. I heard just earlier today, whether it's genre or language or topical interest, the teens are really excited about these books that they can just grab and go. A teen is then tasked with reading the print materials or listening to audiobooks or e-audio or visiting the library and attending an event like a DIY craft or using the Mixes Makerspace. It's really any kind of engagement with the library counts for these participants. After 10 hours, the teens have completed the challenge and will receive a make art kit created by our partners at the Museum of Craft and Design. Um, as well as be entered into a raffle to win a $100 deposit into a kindergarten to college account, which is available to every SFUSD student or a scholar share account. 
The Museum of Craft and Design has created the SF Stone Garden Kit inspired by their current ex exhibition, Designing Peace, and co-authored with local designer and miniaturist Tammy Knight. Uh, the kit includes high quality art materials needed to inspire design thinking, building an architectural structure, as well as adding interior design elements. Um, you can visit Tammy's website at Small Matters Miniatures to find out the wonderful things that she does. This is not possible without our partners, the Museum of Craft and Design, and the Friends of the San Francisco Public Library. We would not want to stop the teens from reading only 10 hours, so for every five additional hours, they can be entered into citywide raffles for teen-friendly and teen-vetted prizes. I know the money is definitely teen-friendly and teen-vetted, but we're thinking like Polaroid cameras or headphones, things like that. To encourage more reading, our Teen Winter Read workgroup that's listed here um, is comprised of librarians throughout our locations, created wonderful book lists focusing on middle school and high school, as well as a graphic novel, manga book list as well, and displays to help entice the teens to want to come in and grab one of those books and get one of those trackers. Um, and here is a sampling of what teens and tweens can do at their local library that, again, also count as activity hours for the challenge. Um, this is just a sampling. This is only six of the fantastic item um, activities that are throughout our system and our city. Uh, we're looking forward to showcasing some of the teens' responses to books or activities in drawing or writing form, and there will be some fun upcoming promos featuring our youth interns from the mix. Um, thank you. I have not presented on this before, and I'm so excited that I was able to this time. Thank you. Thank you, Ileana. I want to be a teen again. <laughs> All right. Our closer today is Michelle Jeffers, our Chief of Community Programs and Partnerships, and she's got a fun report on the annual holiday train. Thank you, Michael. And I just want to say something about that last one. I know that Sunday I'll be learning how to darn my own socks. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, uh, indeed, I am Michelle Jeffers, Chief of Community Programs and Partnerships. I'm here to talk to you about the annual holiday train that I hope that you have experienced in, min in your many years of coming to the library. Um, as you can see, I've, I've included some pictures of this year's holiday train that includes a like high-rise library building that we're all dreaming of. We're dreaming of a, a, a white Christmas with a high-rise library building. All right, um, so as, as I mentioned, the library has had a holiday train in some form or fashion since 2006. Um, it's on the second floor, right outside the Fisher Children's Center. It's open to all. Everybody that walks by, that takes the stairs, passes by it, but it is it leads straight out from the Children's Center, so the kids love coming in and out through that main um, passageway and spending time around the, around the um, holiday train. Um, this started as a labor of love, really, from our engineering staff here at the library, some model train aficionados among them when they started it in 2006. It's evolved over the years as different people have that may be not quite so train friendly <laughs> have joined the library and others have retired. So this year we did something different. Um, we went to the experts and we forged a partnership with the Carquinas Model Railroad Society up in Crockett. Um, they have trained experts from throughout Northern California that are part of their, their club. They just crafted an amazing display for us, working with us. We made several visits out to their um, 
crazy little workshop and talked about what we'd like to see in a train display and voila, it happened, it appeared. Um, they also do a lot of community outreach events uh, and invite the community into their um, workshop in Crockett for free train days to learn about model railroading and they have like this amazing display that is like a train, like a, a, a room full of trains that um, navigate from Oakland to the Sierras, actually, and they have like these like different um, geographic markers all the way through. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Anyway, they've been lovely to work with. They've been full of creativity. They did not flinch at all at my idea that could one of the buildings be a library in this display. <laughs> and they have just done all the work to keep the trains running on time, as they say. Um, as with our original um, train from 2006, this train is interactive, so there is a button and kids can go up and make the train. There's two trains running on cross tracks and kids can go up and make the trains run. The train display also has an enchanted castle, a skating pond, a ski gondola, and more. And it's really fun to walk around. It's, it's eight feet long and it's really fun to walk around and see all these little um, Easter eggs, if you will, throughout the display. So it's really been a great treat. Um, and the Children's Center staff have just been reported that so many families are so delighted to see what really is like something to come out and visit during the holiday and feel that holiday spirit, but really be a destination with this holiday train. So that concludes my report. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. And thank you to all the library staff that has made this another banner year of service for the community. Thank you, friends and foundation of the San Francisco Public Library for all your support, enhancing the level of service that we could provide. Happy holidays, thank you. Thank you very much for your reports. I'm not sure I will be there to be learning how to darn my socks, but um, um, anyway, um, before we have public uh, comment and questions from the commissioners, we open this up for public comment. So public comment is now open here in Corret Auditorium. Peter Warfield, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com, and P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. And I'd appreciate if you would include the contact information that I leave for those who might have been handicapped or watching who might want to, uh, if they were able here, uh, to say something uh, directly to me about something that I've said or maybe have something additional they'd want to say and vice versa. Uh, I'm very glad for the reports, thank you. Um, and um, I'm very curious wh what the uh, publicity is for the volunteers because uh, I know they exist, but I don't know specifically all the different groups that exist. When I go to the main library and to various branches, I don't see what the volunteer opportunities are as somebody who actually physically visits the library. And I think that's something that you might want to uh, include in the publicity that is provided for walk-ins, uh, both for the sake of those who might benefit from the volunteer programs, as well as those who might want to volunteer. I do have a concern with respect to privacy. Uh, I noticed that on one of the programs, Instagram is where the recommendation is to post something. And that's another one of those social media uh, uh, opportunities, if you want, or disasters, if you want, 
that is not private, that is open to you tell me, and that is completely contrary to the concept of the library's mandate and ethical understanding and its privacy policy, generally speaking, to protect people's privacy. If people want to share stuff, that's fine. But this is not something that I see is given to the folks who are doing it uh, with any kind of a warning about what that means. In addition, what about the folks that aren't on Instagram or don't have access to that or don't know that it exists? Again, a walk-in might never see what apparently it's desired to post. And yes, it's nice to see what other people are doing. Why is that not posted where the folks who are not digitally enabled or aware can also benefit from having access to that material? Thanks very much. Thank you very much. Any further public comment? Seeing there's no further public comment, public comment is now closed on item number four. And I turn um, the discussion and questions over to fellow commissioners, if anyone would like to make a comment or ask a question. Commissioner Ono. Thank you, Ileana, Fran, and Michelle for your presentation. Um, Ileana, I know I don't pass for a tween, but how did Michelle get to go darn her socks? <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I think all of these programs are really good and I have, thank you for reminding me I need to run upstairs to go look at the train and I'll try to find all the Easter eggs up there. Um, but Fran, that Zoom call was international, that there were people calling in internationally to learn more what was I guess? What can you explain the purpose? Yeah, of that one one of the one of the participants um, has been calling in from Brazil, and a couple of weeks just said that they have passed their English uh, exams, and they wanted to thank us and credit them, and was wondering if they could then start volunteering uh, as one of the conversation leaders. So um, the announcement is on our public website and so people from all over the world can access that and so we have uh, some people participating in English language from from other places on the globe. I think that's very cool. <laughs> yeah. When I saw that I went international that's yeah. because I kept saying why is it on Zoom if it's you know because usually ESL is usually one-on-one -on -one or yeah, we, we started, um, we moved a lot of programming to Zoom um, during the pandemic, obviously, um, and there's just a group for whom it's easier to, to just log on to Zoom than it is to get to a library location, um, both for the participants and for the volunteers. So we've kept that going because it's been, it's been popular with robust attendance. Um, and I'm hoping that we'll be able to bring back some more in-person conversation groups because before the pandemic, um, working with the International Center, we had some conversation groups in a variety of non-English language. Uh, so people who were looking to learn Spanish or French or Chinese. Um, and we've partnered with the Korean consulate to bring in um, some of those classes. Um, and I think we're gonna be having some in Mandarin coming up. Um, so that, those are some of the things I look forward to bringing back in person. But I, yeah, continuing on Zoom still is great because ah. other people can call in. So thank you. And Ileana, I see that you need volunteers to help volunteer services. So I volunteer. <laughs> thank you all and happy holidays. 
Commissioner Lopez. Okay. Thank you to all the presenters, Frank, Ileana, and Michelle. Um, the volunteer volunteering program sounds amazing. It's really interesting as a second language learner, you know, myself, I know how important it is. And I know that many times, you know, you're, you're go as you learn a new language, sometimes you're intimidated and you want to have a safe place where you're not going to be judged and you're going to be understood or, you know, like that caring. So I totally uh, appreciate that. I, you know, um, I think that like it, it really is, is a personal thing because I know that I have volunteers throughout my life to, you know, like, and I also volunteer for other activities. So I really appreciate, appreciate your presentation. I'm just like emotional uh, because um, I wish that, you know, this program was really well um, taken on because I, I know that we will, the numbers are great but I'm pretty sure that, you know, there will be more people who will benefit from, from a program like this. Um, and oftentimes is because, you know, life and work and all of that. So thank you so much. Um, I commend you and all the volunteers because it's not easy. So yeah. it's not easy to learn a new language and it's not easy to, you know, like support uh, language learner uh, sometimes. So um, I do have a question. So what are the requirements for the volunteers? Because you, you you did talk about screening and fingerprinting and, and, and all of that. Um, so how, how, what does your process look like? Um, it varies by program. So we fingerprint for the FOG readers program because it's adults meeting regularly one-on-one -on -one with first through fourth okay. graders. Mm -hmm. um, so all of those uh, volunteers not only go through an eight-hour training um, with additional uh, meet-up groups that they can phone into and say, I'm having this issue with the kid or this worked really well with my kid, um, but we fingerprint them before we, okay. we set them up. Um, for the other ones, they're working with adults. Um, so we provide training, but we're not doing background checks um, on those. Um, a lot of those learners are meeting in our tutoring rooms uh, in the bridge. Um, so uh, the qualifications are usually just that you want to participate and that you're willing to make your time available for six months to a year on a regular basis um, and that you come to the trainings and, and engage. Um, but as you know, all of our library patrons are, tend to be pretty wonderful people, so we have a right, nice pool to, to choose from. Um, and I just wanted to speak to um, knowing that the, the tutoring process for the learner can be very vulnerable-making for adults that are lacking literacy skills. That can be really scary to come in and say, I need help with this as an adult um, and trying to learn English. Um, we also serve as sort of the soft landing space for a lot of our re-entry patrons. Um, so our wonderful team led by Rachel Kinnan over in the jails refers people to come to us when they get out. And we have folks who say, you know, I was in San Quentin or I was in jail for 5, 10, 15 years. 
I don't know how this phone works. Like yeah. we're in Star Trek now, um, and so it is really important for for us, uh, for me as the coordinator of volunteers, but the whole bridge department. I think we are a very welcoming and warm place for people to come to, um, so that they can get those learning uh, needs met and feel comfortable and like this is their space to come in and, and work on what they want to. So lifelong learning for the win. Yes. Um, I, ha I have to say that um, I recently got into a verbal discussion with someone who um, a person was trying to use their cell phone and they were struggling. They, the phones do so many different things and they were doing, trying to do the QR and obviously the person was new to this. And the person that was helping said, does, does the phones are smart. I, you know, and insulted the person by saying you're not. And I couldn't stay quiet and I intervened and, you know, like professionally. But it, it really hurts when, you know, like, uh, yes, Technology is advancing. Technology is here. It's not going to go away. Um, and it's just like if we provide the tools and we support the people, then, you know, it becomes powerful. And I think that that's one of the things that you're doing. You're empowering a lot of the people. Mm -hmm. So thank you. And I know, you know, like um, what you're doing is changing people's life. Yeah. So thank you. In the tech work that we do, we talk about tech as a second language. So maybe what you're trying to do is a simple thing, you know, C-spot run. But if you don't know the language, it's difficult to put that together. And so if you're trying to do something like set up a medical portal account when you used to be able to just call your doctor and mm -hmm. say, can I come in on Tuesday? And now yeah, you have to like have a login and do a menu and click things and, you know, do all of that. Um, so we talk about, it's like trying to learn calculus in French, right? Mm -hmm. The thing is complicated and then you also have to learn the exactly. language and the system that, to navigate through all of it. Um, so I think we're, we're good at being empathetic and supportive and, and you know, the, the phones aren't smart. They're just complicated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't have to convince me of that. But I thank you so, so much. Thank you. Uh, for all the work you do. And then, I know I'm taking too long, but um, Liliana, um, the, the workshops are not open for adults because I would like to attend the 27th one, the, the vision boards. <laughs> Just kidding. But, um, you know, I see, like, the, the programming, It, I mean, from self-care to, like, practical skills and and also just having the the teams you know uh look into other alternatives i think that that's really awesome so thank you so i don't have a question it's just a compliment and then uh for michelle i said you know like i like trains but i like the napa wine train better <laughs> but um next so, year <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, I have taken the train from here all the way to Nevada, and it's gorgeous, so I can see how people can appreciate. Um, but I had a question just 
So the partnership, I wasn't quite clear as to what entailed. Um, well, the partnership entailed us reaching out and asking them for, to help us with their expertise in building a train. And then fortunately, we bought, we bought a lot of the components and they actually put in all the labor and built um, oh, okay. That that wasn't the, the thing. If I wasn't sure if they had donated or displayed or they had, donated a lot of the things that they they okay. as it turns out that people who get out of model training then like donate things. So they had a lot of donated parts too. So we didn't actually have to like buy a whole new you know Lionel train set, but we did pay for different components and we paid for the case that it's in, okay. enclosed in. Got it. Thank you. There's so many books about trains, so I'm pretty sure it can be complied. Thank you. Thank you all for the presentation. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Commissioner Lopez. Commissioner Mall? Yeah, I'll be brief. Um, thank you, Fran, Ileana, and Michelle. Um, I love the idea of um, the partnerships that you're making with a um, local museum and with not so local but close um, train society. I didn't know there was one. There's probably a society for everything you're looking for. Um, I think it, it just um, increases the, the reach of the library. And um, I've said this before, but maybe everyone hasn't heard it. My husband was one of the um, Project Read tutors. And it really, um, it really did change. It changed my husband's life and it changed the um, the reader's life. He's, he died not too long ago, but it was just a sensational program. And your trainings and your um, compassion and the little party that you give, it meant so much to um, this specific person that we, we knew. So good job. Thank you very much. Um, so we come to the end of this great part of the agenda, and I just want to add my two cents to just thank Fran and Ileana and Michelle. Um, I was able to attend the um, volunteer uh, party, and it was one of the most interesting events I've been to just because you sat at a table and people came from all over the city and they had so many different experiences. One of my favorite was, and, and recognize that there are people in their 20s who are dedicating their time to people who are much older. And I love seeing this gen young generation of people who really volunteer their time. My favorite one was meeting this guy who's bilingual in Swedish and English and he works for Ikea. And so I was asking like, how do they come up with those names of all those um, items at Ikea? and Anyway, he had a lot of great insights, and he could pronounce them all. So, um, but I love the energy of the room and everyone coming mm -hmm. from so many different walks of life and dedicating their time to fellow citizens mm -hmm. of San Francisco. Those are the moments that you can be so proud to have a library that allows people to participate both as um, providers and as uh, and contributors, as well as people who are, are learning on their own. So thank you so much for that. Um, and Ileana, I, I think it's just fantastic what you've created. And um, I do, I think we're all curious about how darning socks becomes part of, I, I'm sure it will be really fun, but the hot chocolate seems a little bit more exciting to me. Um, but I just want to thank you for the energy and enthusiasm. And um, as always, Michelle, there's always something, you're always illuminating something surprising. And um, who knew it was going to be trains? And I'm already looking forward to what's in January. Um, 
But I just want to say thank you again to um, Michael for your incredible leadership um, and to the, all the staff at, who make all of this possible and the time and dedication you give to make sure that the citizens and residents of San Francisco really have the resources and joy in this time of year. So thank you. So now we turn to um, item number five, which we're doing now in um, December, as opposed to we had done it before in January. And this is the election of the 2024 commission officers. Um, and this is the agenda item to um, uh, discuss and um, nominate and elect library commission officers, the president and the vice president for the 2024 calendar year. We will open public comment before our commission discussion and voting on this item. Public comment is now open here in Correct. Are you doing this before any nominations? Yes. Okay, well, in the past you have uh, typically renewed the lineup, <clears throat> typically renewed the lineup, uh, and I'm reluctant to speak at this point because without any nominations, it could be anybody on the commission that you're nominating for either the president or vice president position. So I don't think that's really fair to the public. Uh, I would say that I think the current lineup is fine. And uh, if you continue it, I would say that uh, Commissioner Maul has shown particular interest in particular matters, including issues and concerns that we have had. And uh, I appreciate that. Uh, she's shown an occasional responsiveness to particular things that we've brought up. And as I said, I appreciate that. So I would certainly recommend her as president and almost everybody else as vice president. There's one person who I consider to be not appropriate for a position uh, as president or vice president. And I don't really want to talk about that uh, when it is somebody that you haven't even nominated at the moment. Uh, this person has exhibited a lack of understanding about open government rules, a lack of fairness, uh, and a particular uh, enjoyment uh, for kind of uh, swashbuckling with swords uh, to uh, pretty aggressively mishear and misinterpret what has occasionally been said by the public. And that person I would certainly not recommend for a position as president or vice president. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, any further public comment? Seeing there's no further public comment here in Correct, uh, public comment is now closed. So there's, this is a process, so I will just go over it slowly so we get it all right. Um, I, in a moment, I will call for nominations for the election of our 2024 officers. These nominations will be for commission president and vice president. Commissioners need to be advised that procedurally no second is required for the nominations um, for the election of officers. A simple majority will elect our president and vice president. 
Um, given simple majority, that means today there are three people. Each commissioner will have the opportunity to vote, even on a nomination in which they may be the nominee. So what the first candidate to receive a majority of votes is elected and serves in the role, and this is beginning in January 2024. Um, there is no need to continue voting on additional nominations for president once a nominee receives three or more votes. Um, commissioners vote on the nominations in the order the nominations are received. So first we will call for nominations for president. And we'll, you, can, you can nominate as many people as you want, but it will be done in the order, then the voting will take place in the order in which those nominations are presented. So if there's any commissioner who would like to make a nomination, this is your moment. Commissioner Maul. Um, I would like to keep the um, president, uh, presidential slate, as it were, um, to be continued for the following year. I think um, President Wolf has done an excellent job, not only looking at the, um, at the big picture of where the library can have a place in the city, but all the details as well, and not many people can see the, the, see the view from 10,000 feet above as well as down, um, down on earth. <laughs> um, and I think that um, Commissioner Wolf has been a very good representative in the city for our commission because you show up and you're present and you have carved out the time um, when you have other work to do, you always make time for the library. Um, so I personally don't feel like you're just squeezing in the library. I feel like you really make the, the library a priority of your life, actually. So I'm very proud to nominate Commissioner Wolf. Thank you. Any further nominations for president? Um, seeing, that there are no, seeing that there are no more um, nominations for president, nominations for president are closed. We will now commence with voting on each nomination, on this nomination in the order it was received. Thank you. I'll take um, the roll call for the nomination of Connie Wolf for commission president. Commissioners, please say aye or no when I call your name. President Wolf? Aye. Vice President Huang? Aye. Commissioner Ono? Wholeheartedly aye. Commissioner Mall? Aye. Commissioner Lopez. Definitely I. <laughs> Connie Wolf is our 2024 commission president. Yay. Um, I will reserve comments till the very end. So let's just continue in this momentum with this process. Um, thank you. Um, so now we are going to commence the, um, the call for vice president nominations. Um, so again, it's a simple majority and you'll all have a um, opportunity to vote. So at this time, are there any commissioners who would like to make a motion for vice president? I would like to make a motion to nominate Pete Hong uh, as the vice president and continue his role. Um, he has been very supportive to um, new elected um commissioners and just 
his leadership and his perspective um, on many of the issues really uh, sparked, you know, interest on how, you know, as commissioners, we can um, do better. So I really like to continue with his leadership as the vice president. Thank you. Thank you very much. Commissioner Lopez, any further nominations for vice president at this time? Seeing that there are no further nominations, the nomination process is now closed for vice president. And we will now commence with voting for commission vice president. Commissioners, I'll take the roll call for the nomination of Pete Huang for commission vice president. Please say aye or no when I call your name. President Wolf. Aye. Vice President Huang. Aye. Commissioner Ono. Definitely aye. Commissioner Maul. Aye. Commissioner Lopez. Aye. Pete Huang is our 2024 Commission Vice President. Congratulations. Yay. So I would just like to, um, as we conclude this portion of it, and I'll turn over to my Vice President in a moment, I just want to thank the Commission for this honor and privilege. One of the things that I feel so grateful about is sitting up here with all of you, and every time I'm up here, I learn something new. You teach me something. I love your perspectives today. Commissioner Lopez, you were really quite moving and powerful talking about the Volunteer Corps and that experience. And every time somebody has something to say that I learn from and um, helps me think more um, um, openly about the potential of the library. Um, and of course, as a citizen of San Francisco, it is the most amazing privilege to sit here and to serve this city and to have the honor of being a volunteer to really advance the mission um, of the library. I think we all take enormous pride in what we do here, and I think we there are no more enthusiastic advocates and supporters of the library than the commission, and I feel really honored to serve side by side with all of you and to really support um, City Librarian Lambert and the entire library team. So thank you for this opportunity. Um, I, I just double down on all that. First of all, it is such a big privilege to, to be doing this. I mean, I've, I've been um, on the commission now for five years or something like that, which is crazy. Um, I was telling one of my friends, I was, um, I was 24 when I, when I started on the commission, and I spent like, you know, this has been the most defining part of my 20s, more than any other job, any other experience, any hobby or anything, it's been this. But you used um, to come to the meetings when you were like 12. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and it's been so much fun, and I feel like um, this commission, what I enjoy so much about it is we all come from different parts of the world, and, and our lives look completely different and how we experience the city and, and the library system is completely different. And I feel like every time we discuss something, we really see that and we see all of our different perspectives. And I value that so much. Um, and it's been such a joy to get to, to work on so many different things which uh, with this um, this body. And I'll just um, add on to the praise for President Wolf. I feel like um, my understanding of what it means to be an advocate and ambassador for SFPL has changed after getting to work with you on uh, uh, as, as your vice president. So um, I know there's a lot of uh, challenging work ahead, especially this coming uh, year or two. Um, I think the city dynamics are, are rapidly transforming, but um, it's been such a pleasure, honestly, to, to, to work closely with you and spend so much time with you every month uh, to talk about everything um, with the library. So I appreciate it. 
Thank you very much. I think we're just all incredibly fortunate and we do have a tough year ahead. Um, so um, I know we're gonna move into the adjournment, but I just wanna say like this has been a great year and just really appreciate the range of what we've addressed and discussed and the future ahead is really bright even though mm. the city politics mm. are complicated and the budget's complicated, but we are the shining star in this city. We're the 27 shining stars in the city and um, we should be enormously proud of the ability to keep it going and keep the lights on and the brightness going and the future is what we make of it. And I'm really excited with the strategic plan and thank you so much, Vice President Huang. You've given so much effort, but also just, I don't know how you have so much wise counsel at such a young age. It's just amazing. Um, I don't even wanna, I can't even imagine you in 10 years, but um, right now it's, you, you really have, um, represented the commission incredibly well in thinking through the strategic plan. So I just want to thank you for that because that is our future. And I love that you have been there doing it because you are our future. Some of us are going to get are getting old and you're you're just about you're just you're just hitting a stride and it's really exciting that this it, you're helping shape that future for the next few generations. So thank you. So um, a great year and really looking forward to another fabulous year um, ahead. So um, we will now move on to item number six, which is adjournment. Um, and before we adjourn the meeting, we will um, open this up for public comment. Public comment in Corette is now open. I too came to the Library Commission when I was 24 uh, and been here a long time, or maybe not quite. Uh, I think I was here, though, before a 24-year-old would have been born. Uh, so I do have a good bit of institutional memory. Uh, and one of the things I say at adjournment, as you may note, is that in, past, in the past and currently, at other commissions, you... Uh, ought to be doing what you did in the past and other commissions do routinely, and that is, at this point, have uh, not adjourn on, without insisting that the library commission do what those commissions do, which is give all of you an opportunity to say what you want on a future agenda. And it also gives the public a chance to comment on that or maybe make some suggestions. Um, since the chair, Connie Wolf, President Connie Wolf, congratulations on your election, uh, said that we could go to the back of the room and get a copy of the agenda. Uh, I couldn't. I found the November agenda, so it seems. Uh, so I would like to ask you to give me a copy of what it is you're looking at, and I'd also like to ask uh, Maureen Singleton so that I can see what she was talking about uh, because my copy did not have those pages at all. Uh, looks like I got the piece of the agenda that was November, although the minutes and the agenda listing was in the back separately and correct. So I'd like to ask for that as soon as possible, preferably at this meeting. Um, I do think that you need to consider what the tech is doing in terms of separating further and further apart folks who don't have, 
easy access or any access, as well as folks who might have difficulty. We heard one of the presenters talk about people with not good English skills having trouble with working a telephone. People with perfectly good knowledge of the English language also have trouble with the telephone. They have trouble with the internet. They have trouble with websites, especially when they're poorly designed, which happens often, or there's a problem. Uh, for example, when I went online, uh, the December agenda was showing with a heading of November, but I believe that some of the contents when I did look were the current agenda. So in any case, there's at least two, maybe three versions of the agenda. I would like a copy of what you are looking at today. Thank you very much. Peter Warfield Library Users Association. Thank you. Um, thank you very much. Seeing there's no more further comment here in Corret Auditorium, uh, this uh, public comment is now closed and we will now move to commission discussion and action. Um, would someone like to make a motion to adjourn the meeting? I would like to make a motion to adjourn and our last meeting of the year. Wonderful. And do we have a second? I second. So we have a motion from Commissioner Lopez and a second from Commissioner Mall to adjourn um, this, this meeting. And I'll take the roll call. Commissioners, please say aye or no when I call your name. President Wolf? Aye. Vice President Wong? Aye. Commissioner Ono? Aye. Commissioner Mall? Commissioner Lopez. Aye. The motion passes unanimously. The meeting is adjourned. Happy, happy, healthy holidays and new year and see you in 2024. Thank you. <laughs>